Welcome to the Social Siren Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Reedy, a business owner, marketer, social strategist, and mom. So if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, join me as I discuss the highs and lows of running a business. I'll introduce you to inspiring guests who have achieved success in their own businesses and share tips on how to make it happen for you. It's time to take control of your future. Let's get started. Are you ready to become the master of your own brand image? I am so excited to introduce you to our guest today, design educator Lauren Felter. Tune in to hear her tips on creating a killer brand design without breaking the bank. Clear, compelling, and converting. These are just some of the principles she'll teach you. Get the inside scoop on how to design with intention. And with an impressive background in marketing operations and technical systems, as well as experience in corporate consulting, Lauren knows the key to giving businesses that competitive edge, design. She knows how many small businesses don't have the budget to hire a designer and so decided to become their design educator. Her mission is to help equip individuals to create their own business designs with confidence and skill. So without further ado, here's Lauren Felter. Thank you for joining us today. Before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to get to this point? My name is Lauren Felter, also Felter Unfiltered. I am a design educator for non-designers. And in a prior career, I oversaw marketing um, operations and technical systems for a university admissions office. And I also taught as adjunct faculty, so had quite a career in higher education. And then I did a quick stint in corporate consulting and realized in January 2020, right before the pandemic, that I really wanted to blow up my life, essentially. I didn't want to own a home. I didn't want to have a real job. I kind of wanted to start over and find, you know, my own version of balance and do something that I felt was more rewarding, more purposeful. And so that's kind of how I ended up here. The course that I was teaching as adjunct faculty at a university was essentially this design for non-designers. And I discovered this whole slew of people who have to design for their jobs, but it is not something that they feel like they are great at. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of holding them back. I realized the solution is not hire a professional designer because that's not realistic for a lot of people, both time, resources, money. The solution is teach people who have to design how to do it better. I love that. It seems like working with corporate for like 80% of the people I talk to is the fast track to blowing up their lives really sends them right off the rails. Yeah. That and bad bosses, bad bosses. Yeah. We we could have a whole podcast about bad bosses, but a corporate job is exactly why I ended up here. Yeah. So let's dive into design. What to you for the person who has no idea what good design is, What categorizes a good design or what defines that? Good design is clear, compelling, and it converts. And so I'm going to talk about each one of those things. Good design being clear means that it is legible. It can be read. It can be understood. 
And so whenever I talk about legibility, people are like, well, duh, like I wrote it. Obviously it's words, it's going to be legible, but there are so many things that people do in design that they don't realize makes their design very illegible. Something like font choice, size, putting text over an image without proper graphics or whatever behind it so that it can be easily read. All of those things affect legibility. Also, something that makes it clear is, you know, something as basic as center aligning a list of items where it looks so, you know, kind of curvy on down that someone's mm -hmm. eye has to dart back and forth a bajillion times in order to read the entire list instead of that list of items being left aligned so that my eye can just scan on down in one place. Good design is clear. So that's the number one thing is like at the most base level, it is clear. The second thing is that it's compelling. In order to be compelling, we want it to look good. And so typically this is what people think of when they think of good design. And this is the like, I know it when I see it, but I don't know how to do it on my own and I don't know how to describe it. That's really what I pride myself on is taking design from this indescribable art and breaking it down into an easy to follow set of rules so that people really can create good looking things on their own. And another part of being compelling is that it catches attention. If you have this big blob of words on a page, that's not super compelling. Someone's probably not going to pick that up and read it. So we design in a way that we draw someone's eye to one thing and then another and then another to get them to do what we want them to do. And then the last part of being compelling is that it's on brand so that it's appropriate and it matches what your brand is trying to communicate. And I know we're going to talk about branding in a little bit, so I'm not going to talk about on brand right now. And then the last part of good design is that it converts. And so this is what people kind of miss sometimes. Maybe it's clear, maybe it's compelling, you know, it looks good, but it doesn't actually get someone to take action at our most base level, like what is the point of everything that we're doing? It is to feed ourselves, to pay rent. The things that we do need to be fruitful. They need to get people to take action so that we actually make money. We can keep, you know, ourselves employed, keep running our businesses and actually sell, get clients, do all the things that we need to do in order to live essentially. Let's dive a little bit more into clear. For clarity of design, what recommendations do you have for font choice? Because I see a lot of four fonts on a graphic or a very beautiful script text that ends up not being very clear. So what advice do you have for people in that realm? So in terms of fonts, in terms of number of fonts, I recommend only using two to three fonts for an entire design. And like that one sentence is an entire 30 minute lesson that I could give. I'm going to leave it at, let's just use two to three fonts in an entire design. But in terms of picking a legible font, I talk a lot on my Instagram about script fonts because they're really popular and there are so many beautiful options. But if you're going to use a script font or any kind of very detailed font, which is actually called a display font, you want to probably only use about three words with that font. And it, you want it to be so big that it is very clear and that someone can easily read it. We're not going to use script fonts for a paragraph of text. We're not going to use script fonts for like a caption or, you know, really small text somewhere. 
you can still use that script font. You just need to make sure that you're using it in a way that it is clear that it can be read. Okay, that makes sense. So use the script fonts large and alone and as accents. Am I interpreting it that right? Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, whenever you have really detailed fonts, it gets less and less easy to read them when there are multiple lines of text. Try having three words on one line, or if you do need two words on one line and then one word beneath, like make sure there's enough space between them so that I don't have the bottom of a P hooking into the top of an L on another line, you know, which are called ascenders and descenders. Again, these are things that you don't necessarily need to know. You just need to know, don't let your script loops loop with each other. Don't smush it together. If someone who doesn't know how to do design is looking at something they've made and they're just saying, shit, this doesn't work and I don't know why, what would you say is a good troubleshooting process for them? That's a really good question. What I would recommend is if you've designed something and you're looking at it and you're like, this looks like poo-poo is to kind of strip it all away, have a blank piece of paper and say, what is my number one thing that is the most important thing with this piece? And not what's the number one most important thing to me, but what's the number one most important thing to my ideal person that if they asked me, why should I care about this thing? This would be my response. For example, if it is a new product launch, the number one thing might not be new product launch, but the number one thing might be vegan products that will change your life or, you know, whatever it is. So essentially your headline, you're going to make your headline the biggest, boldest, darkest thing on the page. Then we're going to think of what is our next most important detail and it's okay, new products released and they're available right now at 50% off or, you know, whatever it is, we're going to make that the next biggest and then any other details are going to be smaller than that. I think it's hierarchy that people really struggle with. At the end of the day, let everything breathe. Like don't push anything up against the edge. Don't push anything up against other stuff. Like make sure there's enough space in the design. For example, if you're designing on social, you don't have to put everything in the graphic. You just have to put enough to get someone to stop scrolling and then to look at the rest of the carousel images or read the caption. You don't have to convince someone right then and there to do the thing. You just have to convince them to read a little bit more and then do the thing. That's super helpful. What about colors? Are there any colors that you recommend avoiding or any strategies for brighter colors or darker colors? In terms of color, the, the big thing is that all colors communicate something regardless what the words on the page say. And the same thing goes for fonts, the same thing goes for shapes. And so whenever I do live workshops, I do this exercise where I put sets of colors on the screen and then I have people describe how would you describe this brand based off the colors that you see? And it's, you know, you don't get to guess the brand. You don't get to guess what it is, but tell me how you would describe it. And I've done it for like Target and Walmart. I've done it for Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And the adjectives always match up. People describe Target as cool and fun and trendy. And they describe Walmart as approachable and family-friendly and basic. That's like a big aha moment for students in that like, oh, wow, colors really matter. In terms of colors to avoid, you can pretty much make 
any color work, but sometimes color combinations can get like a little tricky. For example, common holiday color combinations. You wouldn't want red and green, like Christmas colors or blue and white, like Hanukkah colors, things like that mm -hmm. to be a part of your brand. If that's not what you're standing for with your brand is if it's yeah. not a Christmas brand, like we're not going to use red and green. Same with like temperature colors, like hot and cold. That's the only thing to avoid, but you can pretty much make anything work depending on what it is that you are trying to communicate. I used this example recently. Someone was saying, you know, well, my favorite color is pink. Can I use pink in my personal brand? And it's okay. Well, first, and this is what I do with students, you know, my done for you clients, all of that. The first thing that we do is I need you to pick five words that you would want your ideal person to use to describe your brand based on the stuff that they see. If those five words are professional, buttoned up, and serious, well, then the version of pink that we're going to use is probably like a super muted, almost like peach tan pink. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be used for like a few backgrounds and a few accents. But if you tell me that those five words are spunky and bold and fun loving and, you know, creative, then yeah, we're going to use hot pink. We're going to use neon pink. Then it's appropriate. It's all based on what you're trying to communicate with your brand based on the shades and the combination of colors. So what I'm hearing is be careful if it's already associated openly with something else so that yes, when someone yes. sees sports your brand teams, or not, holidays, yes. anything like that. Like if you, the local sports team in your town is purple and black and you have nothing to do with that sport team, don't choose purple and black for your local business. That makes total sense. Aside from doing some research on color theory and the psychology of color, is there anything you want them to make sure they think about before choosing brand coloring or design coloring? Yeah, I mean, it's really just getting very clear on what it is that you're trying to communicate and picking colors, fonts, and shapes all the same with intention based on those five words and understanding what it is that's being communicated and just being really consistent with that use of color. I also recommend, I see a lot of people making the mistake of like choosing all dark colors or all light colors. And then the problem is like, let's say that you choose all light colors on a white piece of paper. You don't have a lot of different, you know, variations that you can work with for paragraph text, for example. And then on the flip side, you choose all dark colors, and then you can only use like white text on a dark background. So I recommend choosing six to eight colors that are a good mix of both lights and darks. Awesome. That's fantastic. A big thing, you know, that I see people and I think Canva is an incredibly powerful tool and it is something that has completely revolutionized design. I previously used to teach Adobe InDesign and Illustrator and Photoshop. And honestly, I believe that in the next 10 years that Canva will take over and that there will not really be a use for my favorite product suite. But one of the problems with Canva is that people 
go, they find a template and they change the fonts, maybe the colors, hopefully both. And they think that just changing the fonts and the colors makes something on brand, but alignment, you know, using center alignment versus left alignment, the shapes that are within that template, all of those things also matter in terms of branding. And so maybe everything looks consistent on your Instagram, but then we go to your website and it doesn't quite look the same. And then we see, you know, a lead magnet or some kind of flyer presentation, and that quite doesn't look the same either. What I really see people struggling with when they're piecing together a bunch of templates is this lack of consistency across all the different platforms. For someone who's new and doesn't have the experience, aside from just jumping in templates and going ham, how can they make a strategy that will help them be consistent and on brand? Again, I'm going to go back to pick those five words. What are those things you want to communicate with your brand? Then from there, pick the colors, pick the fonts, pick the shapes, and really establish this is my brand library. My headings are always going to be this font. They're going to be center aligned. They're going to be all caps. They're going to have a, a rectangle behind them with pointed edges, not rounded edges making all of those very intentional decisions based on what all of the elements are communicating and defining this is what headings always look like. This is what subheadings always look like. This is what my special cursive text is going to look like. And then once you have that brand guide, visual identity, rule book, whatever you want to call it, ensuring that everything across all of your platforms matches that. Yes. I love that. Write it down. <laughs> it really helps when you have staff too, because it gets really foggy when you have multiple people. But if you have this gorgeous guide that outlines every detail, every intention, we don't have that problem. Just yeah, guidebook. Yeah. And shameless plug, that is one of the services that I provide for people. So I help them define what is their brand playbook, make any tweaks to fonts, colors, shapes, and then help them actually get different assets on brand. Because I know that is something that people really struggle with. It's hard. It's okay to be good at what you're good at. And you're good at your business. And very likely design isn't that. We can't be good at everything. We just can't. What are the most common mistakes that you're seeing out there? Big mistake number one is not using the right fonts, colors, or shapes. So, you know, we talked a lot about this already, but I see a lot of people choosing just like what's trendy or this is my favorite font, this is my favorite color, or mm -hmm. even as basic as like my eighth grade computer teacher told me to always use this font for this thing. So that's why I'm choosing it, not because it's the right font or the appropriate font or whatever. And so you really just have to understand that all fonts, colors, and shapes are communicating something before someone reads a single word. So you just have to make sure that you're choosing those with the right intention in mind. Number one, that is biggest mistake. Another mistake I see people making is just way too many words. And so if you were walking down the street and someone handed you a piece of paper and it was just filled with text, you're probably not going to read any of it. You're going to throw it right away. But let's say that it had three to six words at the top and they were very big and they were captivating. They drew you in. It 
grabbed your attention and it said free puppies or whatever, like you're probably then going to read the paragraph that's underneath. I hate like the notion that, oh, you know, like people are lazy and nobody reads anymore. Like the reality is that a big block of text <laughs> is intimidating. Like you don't want to read it. And so you need to figure out a way to like break it up, add headings. You can also use bullets or groups of bullets. You can add icons with headings and then some descriptive text underneath. Or you can very strategically, let's say that you do have one long sentence, maybe it's a quote or something like that. What if we added a heading to that quote that captivated someone's attention? Or what if we highlighted a few different words in a graphic way, whether it was changing the color, changing the fonts, putting a block behind it, something like that to just break it up in any way to captivate attention? Absolutely. People's time is precious. If you must throw all this text at them, you have to give them a reason to invest this time. You need to capture their attention, tell them what they're going to get out of it. We could dive into messaging all day, but not to intrude on your big mistakes. is One thing I often see people doing is the common draw on social media to look over to your shoulder to what is performing well for your competitor or your neighbor and just keep jumping ship over and over again. Your audience doesn't know what to expect. You never have consistency. It looks blocky and weird because you're jumping different designs. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be you and not look to your neighbor. Yeah, that's, I say a lot, like every time you have to make an Instagram post, don't go to Canva and just pick a new template. Something that I talk about in my course specifically about social graphics is this, what I call my three by three method, where essentially you pick three different looking templates and you create three or more versions of them with different color combinations. And then when you intermix that with just basic pictures on your Instagram feed, you've got almost like 24 different things that you can lay out and it looks very versatile and people don't want like the checkerboard look of like it's blue and then it's white and it's blue and then it's white you know they want like variation and remember let's see like two three years ago when like your grid had to be this like perfect pattern we just wanted to look like versatile enough but still on brand that was exhausting, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it was just too be hard. Like, I have to post this thing, but he already made the version that was blue. And now I have to remake it as the pink version. Yeah. Well, it was exhausting. And social media is stressful enough. Is there anything else you want people to know, to feel empowered, to make design for their businesses? The only other thing I would say is there's a lot of anxiety around the idea or the thought of like rebranding and, you know, it is a big decision. Like your logo is important. It carries weight. Your colors are important, but every brand, whether you are mom and pop flower shop or Nike is going to evolve every two to five years. And so it doesn't have to be this like really scary line in the sand of July 1st, everything forward needs to be, you know, this new look and anything from the past, like has to be completely phased out. Like, you're allowed to kind of subtly 
change your branding over time and phase it in. Maybe it's introducing a new color. Maybe you do change your logo and it's on your website first, and then it starts to make its way to other things. Unless it's a completely drastic change that people are going to be like, what account am I following? There's really no need to make a big announcement or stress about it. And like, it's okay to just roll it out over time. Absolutely it is. And there will be signals that it's time for this rebrand. If your posts aren't doing well, if your audience isn't engaged as they were before, it might be time to start to shift and that's fine. Especially if your audience changes. Like initially I appealed mainly to well, my, the first iteration of Felter Unfiltered was, you know, I was kind of like an empowerer of young women. And this was like before design was part of it. And I like sold merch and stuff like that. And so my colors were ultra feminine. It was a much more girly look. And then when I was pivoting to the design education, I brought more blues into it, more neutrals, because I wanted to appeal to a more gender neutral, but still lean a little bit more feminine, which is part of my branding and what I want to communicate. And most of the time, it's better to just lean into small changes over time than have that drastic change. If your rebrand takes six months, then your audience will never notice that it even happened. They'll see that you're fresh, they'll be engaged, but they won't say, oh, wow, that's different. Thank you so much for doing this for us. This was amazing. If someone wants to learn more about you or the awesome course offerings you have, where can they find you? My Instagram is felter.unfiltered and my website is felterunfiltered.com. And I have a design course for non-designers and I also have done for you branding and custom websites. Fantastic. And felter is F-E-L-T-E-R? Yes, that's correct. I'll make some links and put them in the notes for everybody too. Thank you so much, Lauren. This has been amazing. Thank you. This is great. Thanks for joining us on the Social Siren Podcast. For more information on guests, transcripts, and everything about Social Siren, go to socialsirenmarketing.com slash podcast. Remember to subscribe because this podcast may just change your life.